Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 138th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 530th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 12th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes a shot. This week's banner moment occurred on Monday when a new recruiting period opened. This means that coaches can make in-person, off-campus contacts with recruits. This recruiting period lasts until November 10th. What coaches do on the first day of a recruiting period is often seen as a sign of their top priorities, and it can carry some weight with prospects. So how did Archie Miller spend his first day on the recruiting trail? By visiting Culver Academies to check in on 2020 commit Trey Galloway, and then hightailing it to Minnesota to meet with the most important remaining target in the 2020 class, Dawson Garcia. By accounts told to me, the visit went well. And while I know that visits like these almost always go well, I mean, what coaching staff in their right mind would flush an opportunity with a top flight recruit down the toilet without making the most of it, there seems to be legitimate optimism that Indiana will have a real chance in this recruitment. And that's big. Garcia is a four-star prospect who is ranked number 29 overall in his class, according to 24-7 Sports. So he's at the very top of the four-star list. And seeing as how he is 6'11", with a versatile game that can go inside and out, it's easy to see why Indiana and many other schools are making him a priority. Indiana loses Deron Davis from its deep front line after this season. Next season, Joey Brunk will be a senior, and Trace Jackson Davis will be a sophomore. So there's a pressing need to bring in another talented young big man to pair with the enticing trio of wings already committed in the class of 2020, Galloway, Anthony Leal, and Jordan Geronimo. And Garcia would not be a developmental big. He projects to have the size, skills, and maturity to be an impact player from day one. What needs to happen next is that Garcia needs to schedule an official visit to Bloomington and then actually take it, unlike Caleb Love, who canceled his IU official that was scheduled for this weekend, a move that was not really a surprise. Oh, and by the way, the top in-state prospect in the class of 2021, Christian Lander, scheduled an official visit to Bloomington for Hoosier Hysteria on October 5th. His AAU teammates, Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway, will also be there that night. Seems pretty positive and more than balances out the love news. But back to Garcia. Look, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't slightly concerned that his visit hasn't already been scheduled, as he already has visits scheduled to other schools. But it does sound like one will happen. It's just a matter of finding a date that fits. And I know that I often tell you not to pay too much attention to a recruitment until an official visit actually happens, because until then, it's kind of all just chit-chat and speculation. But I'm breaking my own rule just a bit on this one because of how important of a recruit Garcia could be in terms of impacting Archie Miller's pivotal fourth and fifth seasons, and because of some of the positive things I heard this week. Let's hope those positive things bear fruit and that Garcia decides to visit and that Indiana then gives itself a real shot. The foundational four-year, three- and four-star prospects are important, but if you want to hang banners, you better also be sprinkling in guys like Garcia on a regular basis. 
All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Ryan and Andy are both off this week. After being jilted by Indiana for the open assistant coach position, Ryan is setting his sights even higher and polishing his resume for the USC AD position. I like to think that my arrogance is a driver of success. Hmm. Meanwhile, Andy is running simulations of the 2019-20 season on his computer and doing mock bracketology projections to get in shape for the upcoming season. That is how you're a champion. It is. But enough about who isn't here. Let's focus on who is here. To my right, ladies and gentlemen. He is the new Assembly Call fan favorite, a veteran high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and one of the best damn IU football tailgaters around. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. I really missed that music not being here the last couple of weeks. He is the coach, Brian Tonzoni. Coach, what's on your mind this week? You know, everyone hold on to their seats. I'm thinking Hoosier hysteria uh, with the announcement of uh, Christian Lander and Leo and Galloway coming uh, in three weeks uh, to Bloomington. It seems like there's a full court press uh, to get Lander uh, to, to be an Indiana Hoosier, and I'm all excited for that. Uh, that's the purpose for me of Hoosier hysteria is it's all about the recruiting. You have to do it for the recruits. It's good. Put on a show and everyone be safe in the, in the workout and the scrimmage and, and then everything will be okay. But I don't it like is getting, Hoosier hysteria. <laughs> I don't, uh, <laughs> but I, I do like it for recruiting. So, so that's pretty exciting. And as the, we'll talk about later, all of the predictions and things are uh, magazines, preseason magazines are coming out. And it's time to just really seriously looking at what Indiana has to do to get back to being uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And, and we hope that gets started uh, October 5th. Absolutely. And to my left, he is a senior at Indiana University, the former sports editor for the Indiana Daily Student, and one of our two new interns for this season, along with Cameron Drummond. He is Dylan Wallace. 90% of his basketball opinions are moronic. Ryan, that is absolutely uncalled for. Dylan, uh, you and Cameron posted your introduction post on Inside the Hall. Why don't you use your opening statement tonight to introduce yourself uh, to the Assembly Call podcast and radio audience as well? Yeah, well... Uh, and don't mind off, Ryan. Just ignore him. Yeah, Ryan was chirping me earlier on Twitter today, so I'll have to meet up with him on the show sometime. But uh, <laughs> I first want to just start by thanking Jared for for allowing you know me to come on the show and... Um, for me and Cam on behalf of me and Cameron, you know, we're really excited to help out Assembly Call and inside the hall this year for for basketball coverage. But um, to kind of introduce myself, I'm from Crown Point, Indiana, so it's the Northwest region. People call it the region. A lot of people down here don't really like that we like they because you know we say if they don't know where it is, we just say Chicago, and they're like, "You're not from Chicago." So, um, but yeah, I'm from the region. Um, I never really. You know, growing up up there, I never really understood the like the hype surrounding Indiana basketball. Um, and it was kind of funny because all, all my a lot of my friends were Indiana basketball fans. And I don't know, it was just because I was trying to be like the kid that was like not just like jumping on bandwagons and I wanted to be cool. But like I just kind of like despise them for no reason. I didn't even watch it that much. But uh, so I came here freshman year in 2016. Um, everyone says you got to go to a basketball game. Uh, so I attend the, I got tickets to the game and the, they played North Carolina. It, they were like, North Carolina was like ranked like third. And I mean, Indiana just like, they easily won. And I, I, I mean, I've been to NBA games, NFL games, you name it. And I've never been in a place 
that loud before. Um, that game was it, awesome. They followed it up the next year with Duke, even though they lost. So, I mean, it was that's when I kind of understood I got it. I was like, okay, I got it. Even the high school basketball down here is is a lot different than up where I live. Um, and so I really kind of uh, just realized what, what Indiana basketball is all about. Um, and so obviously, as you mentioned, I've, I've been with the Indiana Daily Student. Um, I was sports editor there for two semesters. Covered a plethora of teams here, uh, women's, basket, women's basketball, women's tennis, volleyball, men's soccer, um, the Little 500. Um, but ever since I've gotten here, my, my goal has been to, to cover Indiana basketball. I've spent the last three years going to games with friends and whatnot. But, um, you know, if you're in media here, you know, you're going to want to cover Indiana basketball at some point. And so I am uh, extremely excited, and as is Cameron. But, uh, I mean, I covered them a little bit last year for the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne, as well as for the IDS occasionally. But uh, this will be my first full season uh, hands on deck covering the team 24 seven. And I couldn't be more excited. And again, very appreciative of the opportunity that you and Alex Belzich are both giving me and Cameron. So I'm excited. Hope I can bring uh, some good content this season. Absolutely. You guys have already done a great job. And as has been noted, and as I'm sure that you have been told, you are trying to avoid being uh, the first uh, four-year graduating seniors to not make an NCAA tournament uh, at least once during your time at Indiana since I think the late 60s, maybe? Certainly since the, certainly since the early 70s. So you, Devontae, Duran, we've got to try and avoid uh, that ignominious distinction as we, yeah, as we go through the season. <laughs> We don't want that. All right. Uh, so here's what we're going to talk about this week. We'll run through a few Hoosier headlines like we always do. Then we're going to discuss the preseason Big Ten projections uh, that have been coming out about the conference, about Indiana. What are they getting wrong? What are they getting right uh, about Indiana as we look ahead to the 2019-20 season? All of that. Uh, oh, and we're going to answer your questions, of course, as we always do. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. First, let's talk about tickets. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. But not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets when my wife and I want concert tickets. It's always the first place that we look. Take note that SeatGeek is currently showing IU Ohio State tickets for as low as $65, and you can meet up with the coach that is incredible tailgate before the game he can give you details about that uh, after we get done with the ad read here uh, and then of course this get a brother get some coupons of course best of all SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase all you need to do is use our promo code so download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code assembly for $10 off your first purchase that's promo code assembly for $10 off your first purchase Okay, uh, before we jump into who's your headlines, Coach, you want to let everybody know where you're going to be Saturday morning because the Tonsoni tailgate has become like the weekly meeting spot for Assembly Call folks, who's your huddle folks. I love all the the tweets and pictures. Yeah, it's always nice when people stop by and um, Joel was out there, Lee was out there, but we're in a purple lot, um, the road right by uh, Mellon Camp, the backside of Mellon Camp and the practice fields. Uh, we're right by the grass portion of that parking lot, uh, gate 10 and 11. And you'll see the assembly call sign and and uh, my unforgettable 
a new hairdo, um, <laughs> stop by and grab some biscuits and gravy. Uh, okay. So not a lot of headlines uh, that we haven't already talked about with obviously the recruiting stuff, you know, with Garcia, with Christian Lander, those were some of the big headlines. But guys, one thing that I wanted to talk about, and, and this is an annual thing, and it always kind of proves for you know, you know, to be uh, good for you know, for useful fodder on the show, and that is the inside the hall UM hoops top twenty-five players in the Big Ten. Uh, it came out this week. Uh, the final, the top five, uh, will come out on Friday. But if you've kind of seen the list, it's always it's always relatively easy to to kind of figure out who's going to be there in the top five. No surprise that Michigan State placed the most guys uh, in the top twenty-five, as well as the also being considered list. They had five guys: uh, Maryland, Ohio State, and Purdue all had four guys. Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin all had three guys. You'll notice there's a particular team I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Iowa had two guys. Penn State had two guys. Minnesota had two guys. Still haven't mentioned Indiana. Indiana with one guy on the entire list, Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I was not pleased about this. I made my thoughts known candidly to Alex Bozich in uh, a G chat that we <laughs> that we have ongoing. Um, but coach, as you were looking at this, I feel like we both had the same first reaction going through the list of players that a particular player was not on there that we both feel deserves to be on there. Yeah. Rob Finnessy, not even Thank being you. considered. I, I think people can maybe make an argument that he's 27, 28, whatever, but to have him play such an important role for the Indiana Hoosiers last year and his injury meaning so much, uh, I just find it hard to believe that he's not at least being considered if he isn't uh, in the top 25. Yeah, and Trace Jackson Davis did make the top 25. He was number 24, which is interesting. And they, you know, look, Romeo was ranked high last year. Like this list, uh, you know, that Alex and Dylan Burkhart do, you know, they tend to, you know, to not penalize freshmen just for being freshmen or really try to project them. So I was surprised by that because Trace is not a guy that I would have quite that high, even though I still have high hopes for him. But yeah, I agree that I would have had Rob there. Dylan, as you looked at that list, you know, what were the most glaring omissions or maybe misplacements of players IU or otherwise yeah I mean to kind of go off what you just said I was I was a little shocked that, that, that Trace made the list um, he slotted at 24 just because we haven't seen him play yet um, but I mean you know if you you know obviously if there's a highly rated recruited freshman coming in you know like a five-star like Trace you know you have to at least consider it and he's so the I only kinda, McDonald's All-American coming right in. so I kind of understand you know where that's coming from but to, to put trace ahead of all the other Indiana players, you know, you got, you mentioned Rob Finnessy, um, guys like possibly Devonte or Deron Davis could maybe sneak in there. But I mean, I, I don't know. I was a little shocked by that. And then also, um, Purdue's Aaron Wheeler also made the top 25 and I didn't really see much from him last season to, to put him ahead of any of the, the few Indiana guys I mentioned, or, you know, to be named one of the, the top 25 guys in the big 10. So I think we're all in agreement, you know, that Rob is probably, you know, the the most glaring omission that that we think should be on there. And we're going to get into that more uh, in the next segment when we talk about, you know, some of the things that I think the preseason projections are getting wrong about Indiana. Uh, Coach, as you look through there, who would have been the second Indiana player that you would have had? Would Trace have been the second guy for you? Or is there even somebody else that you would have thrown into that others, others being considered or even the top 25? Well, you're guessing what role, and as Trace as a five-star uh, player coming in would be the the second player, but you also got to look at uh, role and minutes. And I think you know Devonte averaged 15. We'll talk about this later. He averaged 15 points a game the last seven games. He's going to be first. Just 15, be a top 30 Big Ten player. 
And, and I think you look at every uh, team who's going to be their go-to guy, and that guy might need to be part of a of a conversation about uh, top twenty-five plus. And again, I don't know that I'm ready to make Devonte a top twenty-five Big Ten player, but I do think he would be the third player uh, that that makes sense. And 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 we just don't. We have a couple guys who haven't played due to injuries that that could also be some wild cards uh, when we're talking about the top 25, top 30, whatever, at the end of the year. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing with Devontae. Look, people who have been listening to this, sh- to this show know you know, that I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on Devontae kind of driving the Devontae breakout senior year uh, bus. And, you know, for some of the reasons you said, Coach, he finished strong last year. I think having a defined role is really going to help him. You know, obviously, a lot of that depends on having a full season with Rob Finnessy at point guard because it allows Devontae to do what he does well. I think his reputation hurts him and the fact that we've seen him so much for three years and people are not quite buying into the consistency, which is really hard to argue with, frankly. You know, I mean, I understand why that is out there, but I do think you can make a reasonable case projecting forward for him this season that he could be on there. And, you know, you say, well, you know, why don't we talk about what guys have done? But look at all the freshmen. I mean, with all the freshmen that are on a list like that, you're kind of guessing and projecting what they're going to do. And so I think if you apply that same thing to Devontae and look at the role that he'll have, I think he's a guy that could have made it in there too. And I think he will be on, you know, on a, a list like that at the end of the season. Um, Dylan, is he the guy that would be for you, kind of the other one that would be in consideration? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of agree with you. I really think that this senior year, you know, it might be the first full season that Devonte is consistent and really has you know a, re- a really nice season, because because you know before you know Romeo Langford, Jawan Morgan, it was kind of those guys' team. They were they were the attention, and and when you know Romeo was hurt during the NIT, and even when he didn't play too much in that Big Ten tournament game against Ohio State, you saw Devonte really step into that kind of primary scoring role, which I think he's going to have to do once again this year. And I just think the confidence he built off of the end of last season will, will probably carry into this season. I think he kind of knows that, you know, aside from kind of Rob, he's going to be the one kind of run of this team in the backcourt. And you know, from that perspective, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the leading scorer. Um, and so, like you mentioned, I think he'll definitely be a top 25 player by the time the season ends. And can we just uh, take a moment to acknowledge Nebraska and Northwestern, neither one of whom posted a single player on this list? Uh- it could be a long season, like, Lincoln and an Evans. I'd like to be on this yeah. list and go zero for four from three point in my you know sophomore season. There's a, there's a Purdue player who went zero for four from three point line, and so I love defense just like as much as everyone. But you're going to be a top player. You got to be able to shoot a little bit um, again. But that's that's the projection. You know, that's a guy that's going to be in a new role that they're project. Aaron Wheeler, I believe, is who you're talking about. No, I'm talking they're... about No Gel Eastern. Didn't hit a three pointer. Oh, oh, last oh year. you're talking about No Gel Eastern. Well. You know, right? again, I and think Nate, 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 the Reavers from Wisconsin, yeah. if you're going to project, project those guys, then you also got to know the guy who's going to get shots for Indiana. And he did it when they, that role was defined for him, average 15 points a game. So I'm sounding like an angry, angry fan here a little bit. My bias is coming through, but heck yeah. If you're going to put Reavers on, we do on jail, not make a three East, you know, three pointer <laughs> and Aaron Wheeler who averaged 4.7 in 11 minutes, you can at least have fantasy. No Come gel, on, not guys. make a three Eastern. There we go. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and he'll just call himself No Gel. Never lost to IU Eastern right now, and we need to change that because. And all media do a good job, but the but the Michigan guy predicted us to win the Big Ten, and we finished 
you know, ninth. So, so maybe he's overcorrecting a little bit. He's overcorrecting, or he's just year. naturally wrong. But you know, that's why I don't like to make too many projections. <laughs> well, no, he's a good guy. I'm sorry. He is. He's all good. Ho- hopefully, he's wrong again this year too. As yeah, he overcorrects exactly. And it, it comes forward a little bit. All right, cheer, uh, cheer. coming up. Well, we got we got to take a break here real quick, Dylan. But let's get to that next segment. Uh, We're going to stick with the topic of preseason Big Ten projections as they've been pouring out over the past week. What is Indiana's average ranking? What do we think about it? What might the pundits be missing or getting right? We'll discuss that next on the Assembly Call. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Dylan Wallace, one of our two student interns for this season. And guys, we we kind of started getting into this uh, conversation a little bit in the last segment, but I want to talk about some of the preseason projections. Um, and I sent out a tweet earlier this week after seeing another preseason projection come in, came you know come in that had Indiana. I think this one had Indiana at tenth. You know, the one before that was ninth and eleventh. And I said, to hell with preseason magazines and their predictions. I'm ready for the season to start. I don't know how good Indiana will be this year, but I sure as hell think we'll be better than 9th, 10th, 11th in the league. And this was strongly worded for a purpose. And I do, you know, when the preseason projections about Indiana are not good, I do get sick of them. Um, But I may not have worded this quite properly because it's not that I'm, you know, look, as we'll talk about, I think Indiana will finish better than 9th, 10th, 11th in the league. But I do think, given all the question marks about this roster, about this team, and when you when you think about how most media members go about the process of doing projections, which I think in a lot of ways is looking at the returning scoring that a team has, and when you see that teams have a couple double-digit scores, they almost are automatically going to go above a team that doesn't return any double-digit scores. I get why Indiana is in the ninth, 10th, 11th spot. And so it's not necessarily that I don't understand the arguments why people are a little bit down on Indiana, but I think Indiana will be better than that. And I do think that there are some things that those projections are missing, which we're going to get to. But coach, you know, just to kind of lay out the context here, I did go through and I compiled all the projections so far from Street and Smith's, Lindy's, Athlon, our friends at Three Man Weave, SI, even the Vegas odds. And so if you kind of compile it all together to get a composite, you know, preseason projections for the Big Ten. Michigan State was number one for everybody, of course. Then you've got Maryland, then Ohio State, then Purdue. Michigan fifth, a little curious to me. Uh, Wisconsin sixth, Illinois seventh. That's another one that kind of jumps out. Iowa eighth, Penn State ninth, and then Indiana at tenth. And the composite rankings followed by Minnesota, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Northwestern. What are your kind of opening thoughts about these projections that you've seen and where they have Indiana? Well, I I would have... Our listeners consider tiers, and I think if you look at tiers, then you can understand where these projections come from, and we can disagree of, of being in at number 10. I, I think there's the top three are, are pretty clear in some order, uh, unless an injury happens or, or they just play poorly. I, I see uh, the top three, Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, being in some order there, probably with Michigan State at the top. 
And then from four to 11, I think you have teams that all are somewhat similar, depending on what you prefer to look at will be the way you rank them. And that's Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Penn State, Indiana, Minnesota. They all have reasons to be optimistic. They all have uh, question marks. They have lost points. Um, In Indiana, really, Purdue has more points leaving. Michigan has more points leaving. So if that's the metric, uh, Indiana fares well there. Uh, Iowa has more points leaving. And, uh, but it's also what's coming back. And, and I think that's what hinders in Indiana right now in a lot of the media. And what we talked before the show, though, is from a coaching perspective, if you have some players coming back, the third, fourth, and fifth players have to fill similar roles to the guys who left in order for that production to be there or be better or fill it. It's about the, the team chemistry and the roles. And, and we kind of hinted upon that in the top 25 discussion. Devontae Green is going to average double figures this year. You, I think it's simple he sure to is heck say, better. <laughs> and, and if not, then we're 13th or 14th maybe. But, um, yeah. you know, Indiana has some unknowns. And I think that that's puts um, the, the 10th and 11th rankings, gives a little chip on the shoulder. You, you have Race Thompson who wants to show what he can do. If Hunter can play, I'm sure he's going to be wanting to, to prove something. And, and we have to see it to believe it. But I don't think Indiana's in the bottom of that second tier. I, I think they're better than Iowa. I think they're better than Penn State. I think they're better than Minnesota. And that would move them up to eighth. And then uh, there's some question marks with Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois as well. And given a few breaks, can jump up to maybe the, the top part of that second tier. So I, I see somewhere from six to ten, maybe five to ten being the the, the ceiling. And so, you know, we, we got to wait a little bit. But that's the way I'm looking at this uh, from the start. It's so interesting because, you know, Michigan State, clear-cut favorite. And you're right, Ohio State and Maryland, I mean, those are the two teams that you would put up there. But those teams are not devoid of questions. I mean, Ohio State's going to be breaking in a lot of young guards, even though they have Caleb Wesson to kind of anchor them down low. You know, Maryland, a lot of talent, but, you know, as Andy Bottoms is fond of saying, you know, they're still coached by Mark Turgeon, and that's they tend to really struggle when they have a lot of expectations. You know, I understand giving Purdue the benefit of the doubt as a top four or five team just because, of the, you know, I think Painter's earned that and what they've done recently, so that's fine. Michigan lost a ton, and they lost their coach. You know, so that one's curious to me. Illinois certainly is because I, you know, look, they've got Frazier, they've got Desunmo, but that's a team that was really bad for most of last year. So you're really expecting a lot of guys to jump forward, uh, you know, and Wisconsin has a couple of junior guards that they can lean on to help replace Hap. So I kind of get that one a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm with you on Penn State and the Iowas and some of those. And that's why I really see Indiana, you know, somewhere in the seven, eight, you know, probably seven, eight range, you know, with a chance to, to bump up a little bit. Dylan, as you look at it, you know, what are your initial impressions of these projections coming out? Are they fair or do you, you know, see Indiana being a little bit better preseason? So I'm not surprised that Indiana is that low just because of what happened last season. And, you know, obviously, you know, Trace is a five star, you know, all American. But other than that, I don't know. People looking from the outside probably don't really see Armand as a factor. They probably don't, you know, all they see is they're gaining those two. They probably don't see Joey Brunk as that big of a, of, you know, of a addition either. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised at all that Indiana's ranked this low, but um, to kind of your guys' points, I do think that, that they will be higher because, you know, I, I can justify, you know, Michigan state, Maryland, Ohio state, Michigan, and Wisconsin kind of maybe, but then after that, Michigan, like, I said, maybe Michigan and Wisconsin are kind of like maybe, but, but then after that, like Purdue, 
I mean, they, I mean, you just lose so much in Carson Edwards. You, you even lose a lot in um, Ryan. Right, yeah, Ryan Klein. 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 And then even Eifert. He was a tough. He was a tough hustle guy. And like, I mean, their guards are like they have they have some young guards. Isaiah Isaiah Thompson, Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis, who who could be good, but I, I just don't see you know enough. And coaches kind of talk about Nojel Eastern earlier, and <laughs> he's a really good defender. And he's kind of poised when he plays the point guard position, but like he's he does he does not compare to Carson Edwards on the offensive end, not even close. So, I mean, I don't see Purdue. I could see Purdue being a lot lower than they are. Is I think they're like fourths in the composites that you set up. Iowa, no more Tyler Cook. Bohannon's has hip surgery. Who knows when he's going to come back? There's you know who knows about them. Illinois, I also agree. Like I don't understand the the hype around Illinois. I mean, they got those young players, but. I mean, like you said, I didn't see enough from them last year. They were 7-13 and 13 in conference play. They were out-rebounded like every game. They shot like 34% from three, 13 turnovers a game. Like I, I didn't see enough from them last year to put them this high in, in kind of preseason rankings. Um, you, know, you know what? They've got the hard parts to grasp onto that you look at when you're projecting. Because Frazier's a junior, you know, double-digit score. The big guy down low, you know, put up good numbers. And DeSunmo passed up the NBA to come back. And so I think everybody looks at that and you automatically kind of vault that team up. But we've seen a lot of times that natural projection or, you know, progression that you expect to happen doesn't necessarily happen. So they're a team that I feel like has a a big range because I can see how you could make the case for like best case scenario, Illinois becomes an NCAA tournament team. That does seem within the realm of possibility, but man, it seems more likely that they're maybe a little bit better than last year. And if they're only a little bit better than last year, they're still not very good. You know, yeah, so. I agree with that. And it's kind of the same thing with, with Penn State. I mean, they still have Lamar Stevens, Mike Watkins. I mean, it's just like, are they, are they, do they deserve to be higher than Indiana? Probably not. Um, so I definitely see Indiana as high as six, maybe five, um, but definitely, definitely, um, higher than 10th for sure. Yeah. So, you know, so when you look at this, okay, what are the preseason projections getting right about Indiana? You know, we've talked about this no proven go to scoring option. We get that. You know, upperclassmen usually win in the Big Ten, and Indiana's upperclassmen are talented but mercurial. You know, I mean, do we really know what to expect from Devontae and Duran and Justin Smith? We can talk ourselves into the idealized versions of those players, and we've seen the flashes, but we admit as much as anybody that there's question marks there. And frankly, there's still question marks about Archie Miller. As much as we support him through two seasons, he has yet to take this team to an NCAA tournament. And so, you know, especially as you're looking at it from an outside media perspective, I understand some of that trepidation. Here's what I think people are getting wrong, Coach. And I think, you know, a couple things are really big. Everybody talks about the outside shooting, how bad it was last year, and kind of projects that forward this year. We've talked ad nauseum about this. The outside shooting is not going to be nearly as inefficient as it was last year. Now, we might not score as efficiently around the basket, but our three-point percentage will be better. And I think when you look at Rob Finnessy's season stats and what he did in big play but you don't take into account the impact of the concussion. You look at a guy whose numbers are underwhelming, but without the context of the season and maybe seeing what he did at the end of the Michigan State game against Cassius Winston and seeing how he played against Illinois and what he did before he got hurt and the fact that he was shooting 40% from three-point range, I mean, that was you know maybe an honorable mention, all Big Ten level player as a freshman. And I don't think people quite project that. And if you do, that kind of changes the complexion of this team. So, you know, a couple others that I think is underestimating the potential impact of the Deron Davis-Joey Brunk duo, 
because Indiana's offense, especially the shooting, was a lot better with Durant on the floor last year. Do you realize we scored 0.1 point per possession more with Durant on the floor than with him off? And so if you get a healthy, in-shape Durant, again, big if, and then Joey Bronk, I think coaches we've talked about, is the missing vocal and emotional leader that this program needed. And look, I know all the other teams, they probably have these things you could go down to that we don't know about. But just looking at it from the Indiana perspective, I think those are some things that without being deeply embedded into the context of the situation, you might not get. And I think if you start adding those things up and the injury luck is better. And, you know, look, the other thing is there were three games last year that Indiana lost you know, on a Deron Davis tap-in miss, a Matt Harms tap-in, and Jordan Bohannon shooting bonanza, you're three of those away from being 20-12 and 12 making the NCAA tournament and the total complexion being different for this season, even though all the players are the same. So that's what I look at, Coach, as stuff that the media is missing, that when you start to make the argument for why Indiana reasonably can be looked at as maybe a fifth or sixth or seventh best in the Big Ten, that's the stuff that I look at and hold on to as we head into the season. And, and it Indiana's a hard team to project, and that's why they're sitting at 10 and 11 in, in, in these projections, because there's a lot of question marks. But if those all remain question marks, then Indiana's going to have a real tough year. But some of those are going to blossom. And, and I'll go back to Archie's first year. He had three players leave for the pros uh, from that roster. And, and Jawan Morgan wasn't Jawan Morgan quite yet. And Rob Johnson was the best player coming back. And finished, I believe, sixth in the Big Ten at nine and nine or sixth or seventh that year when we lost to Rutgers in the, in the, in the first year under Archie Miller. Last year had a lot of injuries, and uh, even the best player, the five-star, had, had the wrist injury and finished ninth in the, in the Big Ten. And I think the Big Ten's going to take a step backwards. And then coming to your part about the bigs, the coaching staff has worked all year in developing an offense, and they hinted in, in the talk in Evansville that it might be a, a little bit bigger lineup and a little more uh, cutting and screening and, and post-oriented. And so the, the points that Romeo got were, was at the rim and Juwan got a lot at the rim. That's gonna, those points at the rim are going to look differently in style or in design. And then, you know, if the three-point shooting is better. But, again, those are things that are being done in the film room and in the coaching room that aren't shared out for obvious reasons that the media just has to go on, on numbers and stats. And, and there are a ton of questions for Indiana, but Archie has proven to me at least that first year that he took a bunch of questions and was competitive. And if you erase a couple nightmare games there, what could have possibly uh, made a run and was still over 500 in his first year with a brand new ball club. You know, and you may have noticed that we haven't talked about Jerome Hunter yet. And I actually, I put him in the category of something that none of us can really know. Like even, and the 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 news is better. Dustin Dupirak had a great article with comments from Archie Miller that sounded very positive about Jerome, you know, taking contact and possibly being able to play. And I think we're all very excited about what that could mean. He's also a guy who's been out of basketball for a year. And so, you know, I, I like kind of looking at how Indiana can be without even really projecting that. And I've kind of been looking at that as a bonus anyway, all off season. Um, Dylan, as you look at this, are there any other – one more thing I want to mention too, Dylan, is pack line teams often see a big bump in year three with the defense. That would help offset some of the potential scoring issues. I haven't really seen that mentioned. Anything else, any other areas that you think that some of these preseason projections are getting wrong or ignoring or just not mentioning about Indiana? Um, well, I mean, I, I will say that, you know, you, you talked about Deron Davis and how – they much they were much better with him on the floor last year and i feel like 
offseason projections i mean a lot of people don't a lot of people when you think about indiana basketball they just like kind of looked at what romeo did what Jawan did and and now that everyone's left they're just kind of like well this is what they have and look what they did without their two best without you know this is them without their two best players from last year you know who who are they how they're gonna even come together this year but you know and and you know with Deron's what he does is he just you know he just brings the defense in and archie's you know he he loves he says Duran's a great passer from from in the post and as we've mentioned you know they might go with like a, a three forward lineup this year we, you know we, we don't know um you know because you got Justin Smith who who he can even kind of elevate his game um you know I think he had a bit of a wrist injury last year no one really talked about it but I mean I don't know if he'll do a lot of outside shooting but I mean he's still a really athletic guy who can who can help out I mean if they do that three forward lineup I mean Indiana will just look a whole lot different without you know, having three guards on the floor, we're used to seeing Devonte, Al, and Rob. But if you kind of take one of those guys out and put another big in there, then you know they'll have a lot of big guys, a lot of pressure down low in the paint, and that'll create more more opportunities for open threes. Which, as you mentioned, it should be a lot better this year. Um, so I think those are probably the biggest areas for improvement. And you know, you mentioned Jerome Hunter. I, you know, I know we haven't seen him play, but honestly, I, I think if if he is healthy and he plays, I mean, I think he's a game changer. Um, I mean, I think he was like the second highest rated recruit behind Romeo in, in that class. And and he won I a gold to, jersey right before he, you know, they discovered the condition, I guess. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier when I introduced myself that I covered the women's basketball team in, in, um, in March after one of the women's basketball games. There's nobody left in assembly. It was just kind of a few media guys. And Jerome came out with Al, Al Durham and they were doing like a workout together. And I mean, take it as much as you want because it's just a workout and they're just kind of shooting. But I was able to watch him for a while. And I mean, he just he just looks like a straight up baller. I mean, he's six, seven, 220 pounds. He was moving good. His jump shot is pure. It's really nice. I mean, I, I just think that You're getting he, everybody excited, Dylan. I know, but like that's because I'm excited. <laughs> what <are you> doing? <laughs> that's because I'm excited if if Jerome is is an act, if if he can play, uh-huh. I honestly think he could be the best player on the team, the leading scorer. You know, you never know. I'm just saying that. I have he absolutely could be a top higher. 25 player in the Big Ten as, no as early as this year. He could be. I'm just trying to be careful about Definitely. not setting unrealistic expectations for a guy who hasn't played in a year. I but, agree with that. Man, everything that you just said, I've thought too, and you've seen it. And that's that's why everybody gets so excited about the guy. And he's yeah. a basketball junkie, and he loves the game, and he's a gym rat. I mean, he's just he's everything that you want. And I just I hope that he's healthy and that we can see it um, because it would be fantastic. Um, Oh man, coach! I had a point that I was going to make, and now I forgot what it was um, about well, I, the team. I, yeah, go, go ahead with your point. That, you know, when he first took over, Miller was talking about um, Jawan having to take over the responsibility for production. Yeah, and I, that's an interesting comment there about stepping up your game from seven points a game as a sophomore to where he was at sixteen points, and he has to take responsibility for production. Is that going to be Green, Smith, Finnessy, Davis? Those are hard to project, and when you're you know, sitting in Chicago and looking at the Indiana roster and you don't know what we do because we try to stay up with it, uh, someone is going to do that, and Archie had a big jump there with a couple of uh, players that, that first year, and, and who's going to be able to do that this year will really tell us if, we, if they move up from where they're projected up to more of a fifth, sixth, seventh, where a lot of us hope and, and maybe believe they're going to be. The other thing I think that's important to remember from last year, and this is the last point, and then we'll move on, is you know what were the two most impressive wins for Indiana? Obviously, the Marquette game was, but I mean, in terms of opponent, it's beating Michigan State twice. 
Think back to those two games. In the game at Michigan State, Juwan Morgan got hurt and didn't play a lot in that game. And Romeo Langford, well, he, you know, I got into a debate with Brendan Quinn about this on Podcast on the Brink. You know, Romeo was six for 18 in that game, struggled some defensively, did make some absolutely huge plays late. And that game doesn't make overtime, and we don't win without the three that he hit and that driving layup. So it's not to say he didn't contribute, but he really struggled and was inefficient as a scorer. It was the other guys who really, you know, who really stepped up and made big plays. Then think about the home game against Michigan State. I mean, you know, it was in the building that night, and I remember just thinking how poorly Juwan and Romeo played for so much of the game. Now, they each made a couple big plays late, but that was a game where Justin Smith stepped up and Rob Finnessy stepped up, and it was other guys. So we have seen it from these guys, and we've seen it in big wins in games when, you know, the two people who everybody's lamenting their absence, and it is a big absence, don't get me wrong, but we've seen some of these other guys step up in big moments. You know, and so coach, now as we look to, you know, who has that responsibility for production, there are guys that haven't been counted on to do it consistently night in, night out, like Romeo and Juwan were, and that's a totally different responsibility. But we've seen it in flashes, and now Indiana, how good they do this season will be dependent on, can Devontae Green be a 15-point-a-game guy? Can Justin Smith be counted on, you know, to be consistent? Can Deron Davis be healthy so that that impact that he has on the offense is there all season long? If that stuff happens, Indiana is going to outperform these preseason projections. And if it doesn't, then unfortunately the projections are going to look pretty prophetic. And I think we all know which direction we want that to uh, to go in. All right, uh, coming up in our third segment, we're going to answer some of your questions, including one about Mike Roberts and his recruiting connections. And then we might even dabble a little bit in our thoughts on this weekend's big football game against Ohio State. We'll see. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Be right back. I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. All right. Thanks, Ethan. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with coach Brian Tonsoni and our special guest this week, Dylan Wallace, one of our two student interns for this season. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis, some of which Dylan will be writing this year, especially after the late 9 o'clock tip games. Get excited for that, Dylan. <laughs> First date. Uh, <laughs> just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Hey, I have to stay up with you to eventually like edit it and put it out. So I'm right there with you. Uh, again, IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Uh, it's time now for the mailbag, guys. These questions uh, submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com slash community, where Coach is just absolutely tearing it up with his new coaching corner uh, segments. Those have been fun, Coach. I look forward to Thank seeing you. what you have coming up next on those. It's a Thank lot of fun. What, real quick, my question to you. What's your goal with that with that sequence of content? You know, I, I, maybe a little scouting of, of what you know I would do against a team ahead of a, a, a big game or, or, or maybe just – you know, evaluating one aspect of play. The the question that's coming up now about um, the defense in the Wisconsin game, the post defense on our friend Ethan Happ. Uh, I'm trying to find tape on that to answer that question. I think that's good to show three or four clips and and analyze that. Cool. So well, along those lines, it's that content alone is worth the price of the the uh, the membership to that community, and then you get great conversation with all kinds of IU fans. All right, let's hit some of these questions. 
Uh, so Robert wants to know what connection, if any, does Mike Roberts have with international recruits? Yeah, you know, this was talked about when he was hired because the best player on UNCG last year was an international player. Um, and I, you know, Mike obviously had a big hand in bringing him over. I don't know the extent of his connections overseas. He obviously has some experience doing it. What I do know and what I did find extremely impressive, and this was from an article by Dustin DePirac in The Athletic, is how deep Robert's contacts are in Indiana because he's kept up with high school coaches in Indiana, even while he hasn't been really recruiting Indiana. Some great anecdotes in there. Kyle Simpson, a longtime you know, basketball coach in Indiana, good friend of Mike, and just how he has stayed in contact with him and other coaches. So now that he's, it's almost like, it really feels like he was kind of preparing to get this job all along at some point and that he really wanted to be back here. And so, you know, you see stuff like that, Dylan. And again, that hire for some people might not have been a home run the moment it was announced, but there has not been one thing I have heard since he was announced that hasn't made me really excited about what he can be as an assistant coach. And this was just another one because the little things matter, especially as an assistant coach. And he does the little things. Yeah. I mean, and, and Dustin wrote a really nice article and, I mean, to your point, the digital connections that he kept with Indiana and that he's going to be able to use in the future as, you know, recruiting poll to, to get players to come play for the program. And to answer the international question, I mean, obviously we don't know, but the, the, the detail Dustin goes into about how he's kept that connection with everybody in Indiana, I mean, he probably does that in a lot of different places. So perhaps when he was kind of internationally recruiting, he made connections with those people and he kind of texts frequently with them. So I just think, you know, the approach he takes to things, um, I think that's promising no, no matter where he was and, and he'll probably be able to use that to, to better the program. And he sends handwritten notes, which remains my favorite little detail about him. Hey, that stuff, that stuff makes a difference in this day and age. Coach, any, any thoughts on Mike Roberts? I have to think you're pretty excited about him. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if Archie likes him, I'm going to like him. And, and I don't mean that because of my crush on Archie. It's just it's important as a head coach to have assistants you trust. And, and Archie brought him in, and he has connections to the Indiana coaches, and he seems to be a really hard worker. And I think that, you know, Andy said it last week, it just fits the mold of all the recruits and that mindset that we're thinking about coming in that Archie so badly wants. And I think he fills that role. Uh, from Rick, he says, with four scholarships open, I was surprised to hear Archie say uh, four to six. He's talking about comments Archie made at his Evansville talk um, uh, on Derek's question. He certainly hasn't over-recruited yet, as Kreen often did. Do you think he would actually sign five or six, which would obviously force one or two players to leave? So, look, I think if Dawson Garcia, Caleb Love, and R.J. Davis like all called tomorrow and said, we'll come, you would accept those commitments and you would figure something out. And does that mean that someone might be quote unquote creamed or run off or whatever you say? You know, maybe. I don't know how exactly how those conversations would go, but when you're recruiting at this level and you would get commitments from those guys, you would take them. Now, what I think is much more realistic is there's still the one open scholarship. Obviously, they're targeting Dawson Garcia heavily, as we talked about. But to me, what I think Archie meant more by that coach is just kind of a an implicit acknowledgement of the reality of college basketball, which is that, you know, we're going to have, you know, a guy like Justin Smith is going to graduate and he could have options as a grad transfer if he's not pleased with what his role is this year, you know, and don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying that's likely or anything. It's just a, a potential example you know, so you could have guys transfer out. You know, there could be a lot of things that happen. We see guys transfer all the time. So I think, you know, 
it's good to have your options open. You're going to keep recruiting guys, and you just see off seasons are topsy turvy. So, you know, I think it's unlikely that Indiana gets enough commitments from these high profile guys they're targeting that you would have five or six guys committed now and then have to be in that position. But what I do think is more likely is maybe a player or two leaving the program only because it's just college basketball and that's what happens. Yeah, I, I also, you know, you can quietly put pressure on people too. There, I still think there's some question marks on the roster that I think this year it's time to step up where there's going to be hard conversations about what options are available and, and whether that's someone who's already graduated or, or has to be a transfer or whatever. Uh, Archie is a really in need of getting his guys in. And, and I think this is a year you're either in or you're out. And that could be a little subtle message behind the scenes. Um, uh, Archie displaying a little toughness um, that maybe he needed uh, at some point last year. I know someone mentioned in the chat mob that maybe someone could redshirt. Just to clarify, that wouldn't affect the scholarships. Redshirts are still on scholarship, so it's the same total number. Dylan, did you take that um, any other way? No, basically kind of the same way you guys took it. I mean, I know Archie mentioned that, you know, because obviously they only got Trace and Armand for this season, so he did mention that for the 2020 class he wanted to, to really get some big guys. And so far you got Anthony Leal, Trey Galloway, Jordan Geronimo, all really, all pretty good players, you know, but I think they're still looking for kind of that, that big name. You mentioned Dawson Garcia, Christian Lander is going to take a visit here during Hoosier hysteria. We know Caleb Love is probably not, you know, he canceled his visit here. Um, so, I mean, if they, if they do get multiple of those guys do decide they want to come here, then, then yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could, as coach said, you know, kind of quietly force somebody out. It's kind of the all in, year for for Archie and trying to get that that big 2020 class that he really emphasized that he wanted all right coach five seconds Indiana Ohio State who do you have winning Ohio State sadly oh come on Dylan quick Michael Penix probably won't play so probably Ohio State uh, that's it we're done no more questions okay well that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music that you hear on the show and as always thank you for listening we will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me, James Blackman Jr. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and get buckets. Go Hoosers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. Good stuff, gents. Um, so do you want to you talk about the California thing real quick? Because I do think it's pretty interesting. I'll be yeah. up for a quick chat about it. I mean, I don't know the details. I'd have to read up about it a little bit. But here, here's my take. Uh, I think Chad asked that question. Um, I was, I've always been, hey, you got a scholarship, and you get food, and you get gear, and you get all that stuff. Uh, that's what normal college students don't get that. Be, go be an amateur athlete. But the money in the game from the shoe companies to all of the stuff has gotten to be ridiculous to the point that we have scandals in the greatest sport, I think, is college basketball. And one of the ways that I'm starting to move to is get money out to athletes uh, on the table, uh, above the table, not below the table, and might limit some of the neg negative and wrongdoing that's going on uh, by agents and, and some of the shoe companies. With that being said, I think it really needs to be studied, done fairly, 
um, you know, maybe a trust fund where you can take a, a percentage of that and spend it when you're in college. But after you graduate or after you spend three years or whatever, that money then becomes yours. And it can't be a situation where it's the New York Yankees buying the best team in college basketball because that takes the spirit of college athletics out. So there's a lot of question marks to going to getting paid. But, you know, if, if, if they're selling your jersey and the university only gets the money for it, um, from a business standpoint, economics teacher here, I, I don't know how fair that is to, to continue that with the massive amounts of money that are being made off, off of young people. Um, I'm changing and I guess old dogs can be, you know, taught new tricks because I have been really adamant about not play, paying players and not giving them money. Um, but I think maybe that's starting to let's do it right if we're going to do it. But um, and the I'm college think it's fair. And the colleges don't have to be the ones to pay. You know, here, here's the thing yeah. with the California thing. And if you're interested in this, I highly recommend the most recent episode of the Ion College Basketball podcast with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. They really do a good job of breaking this down. But essentially, California, uh, the legislature has passed a bill. It's assumed that the governor will sign it that would make it illegal for universities to prohibit student athletes from making money off of their name, image, and likeness. Where that becomes an issue is, obviously, that's against NCAA rules. So say Stanford was going to prohibit, you know, one of their players for, you know, or, or prohibit their athletes from the name, image, and likeness. Now they're in violation of California law. But if they allow it, now they're in violation of NCAA bylaws, and the NCAA could theoretically keep them out of championships, keep them from the NCAA tournament or whatever, you know, UCLA, USC, all the, the, the schools in California. Where this gets really interesting is if four or five different states pass this, you know, now you've got a snowball that starts moving. What's the NCAA going to do? You know, are they just going to keep, you know, North Carolina and California and all these states out of the championships? Or are they eventually going to have to bend and give in a little bit? And, you know, they're that, you know, the committee that they put together said they were already going to look at this. And yes, there are, you know, some potentially unintended consequences of allowing players to, to profit from the name image likeness. But, you know, as those guys talked about, would it really be that much different from how college basketball is already? Because, the, you know, the big fear, Dylan, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this is, you know, say that, you know, Indiana players can profit off their name, image and likeness, right? And you're recruiting Yogi Ferrell. And there's a restaurant in Bloomington called Yogi's. And the owner of Yogi's is like, hey, we're going to give you $100,000 a year to be the spokesperson for Yogi's, which is like, just would have been the most perfect thing ever and should have happened. And it's a damn shame that it didn't happen. But, you know, now that's a recruiting benefit potentially for Indiana, right? And it's like, well, okay, but aren't the, don't the biggest schools kind of already have facilities and all these other things that, you know, kind of have some people as the haves and the have-nots? Like, I just, I don't really think in a big picture sense, it would really change college basketball all that much, like the the hierarchy all that much. I think it would change some of the tactics and some of those things, but it would allow boosters who are giving money to the university anyway, or giving it to the athletic department to actually redirect some of that directly to the athletes. And to me, I think that's a good idea. Now, again, I agree with coach. You got to study. You got to make sure that you don't do something irresponsible, but I really have a hard time seeing in the big picture how this wouldn't be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I actually didn't see this, so I don't really know too much about it. I have to do my research, but uh, yeah, this was we didn't prep you for this on the run sheet, sorry. <laughs> no, you didn't. Well, 
it, there's just it opens up stuff. Chad just Britt mentioned something about okay, Adidas says we'll give you a hundred thousand, but you got to go to IU and we'll put your name on a shoe or something. You, you know, and, and what about the big booster who gives you know we're going to give you a million to come to our school, uh, and then part of that is we're going to sell posters or something with your name on it, and we're going to hide it as it, you're making money off the likeness. Um, that's it's just what a worries, different. It's just a different. That's what worries race. me though. Yeah, but. but how how is that different in a bad way from the way that it's done now? Because there's already an arms race kind of like that. This just puts the money directly into the hands of the athletes. True, because you know I've had two kids involved in two different basketball programs. One's in the Big Ten, and everyone got everything there. And the difference between Indiana, Indiana State, and what they get in their program. So you got to recruit kids now. Um, it's not going to the young people. It's going, you know, it's facilities, like you said, and, and those yeah. races. So yeah, that, and that's why I'm starting to change my mind that, you know, again, the, the amateur thing is, is might be a thing of the past. Um, especially when, you know, when coaches are making tons of money and, and we got into it about the Clemson situation a while back about giving a, a, a ring to a player who'd been there for a while and quit on the team. And there's just so much money. I, I do think players need to, and I don't know if you could cap it, for fairness uh, to where they're getting more than what they're getting now, or I, I don't know if that's right either, but it worries me, but I do think the young people. It, okay. Deserve, I agree. Deserve it it worries me too, just because we're used to a different system, you know, like that everything is different from the system that we grew up with and have gotten used to. So I do, it does worry me a little bit because it's different and it's change. And I'm, there would, I'm sure, be unintended consequences and some bad stories where it's like, oh, well, we shouldn't have done this. But it's like, yeah, but look at all the other athletes now that are getting more money that they can really use because of this. So I'm, I hope to see other states do this. I hope it forces the NCAA's hand. I would like to see this happen personally. <laughs> I like Jay, as long as we get the NCAA basketball and football games back on the gaming systems. <laughs> that, that's the only those thing. Fun, Pay them yeah. for that only. <laughs> get those games out. Give them a stipend, and they can go to get Archie's Pizza. At the- By the way, Joe, Joe Vaughn in the chat said, next up, paying high school players. What do you think about that, Coach? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, but the high school coaches, look at all the money that they're making. Come on. Oh, yeah, funnel. exactly. It's rolling in. <laughs> funnel, funnel some of that assistant coach cash to the players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Dylan, thanks for being here. Excellent job. It's not always – it's not an easy thing to hop on a show with, uh, you know, people who have kind of an established chemistry and an established way of doing things. So uh, you did a really good job, I thought, of coming in and making some good points. Yeah, so. thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun. I hope I can come on a few more times, maybe. Yeah, good job. Absolutely. And I, you know, we always, you know, for the interns, we always like to give you guys opportunities to come on. And I know that you guys will be covering all the home games. Do you know how many road games you and Cam are going to be going to this year? Because those are good um, opportunities to come on the show. Is road yeah, games? We, we planned out a, a decent amount, um, but gosh, I don't know the number off the top of my head. But I think we want to go to, we want to go to Wisconsin. We want to go to. UConn and MSG. We want to go to um, obviously Notre Dame because that's just right. Are you going to drive to those? Wisconsin, probably. yes. We'll probably fly to New York. Yeah. Um, hope we're, that's like the big. That's like the big one we're trying to pull off. But uh, uh, like we'll definitely go to Purdue, um, Ohio yeah. State, Michigan, 
So cool. it's just like the far ones. Like we actually thought about going to Penn State, so maybe we'll do that too. But like Rutgers and Maryland, no. Just be careful but, at Penn State. If you no, guys no, talk too loud, your conversation will be picked up audibly on the broadcast. Oh, I remember that. There's no one there. Yeah. yeah. Didn't they have that the Whistler or not the Whistler? Yes. That's Vanderbilt baseball. But there was something. Wasn't that Northwestern? She, she or no, Northwestern? There's a couple places. Penn State had some crowd noise issue behind the. Broadcast it just sounds like there's well. 17 people there. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's insane. Well, cool. So yeah, so there'll be opportunities. Obviously, we do the show every Thursday night, so there'll be plenty of opportunities to come on and uh hope you can. And then uh Banner, oh, that's the other thing. I forgot to talk about Banner Morning, but I guess we can talk about it now. You and Cam, the you know, you are, one Banner Morning already came. Are you going to be doing those two or is just Cam going to be doing those? I'll be doing the next one, so on on okay. Monday that'll be me. Yeah, can I uh, can I adopt the James Blackman keep your uh Eyes in or keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and get buckets. Sure, yeah. I like how he ad libbed on that one. Yeah, <laughs> in true funny. James Blackman fashion. Uh, that was he had the quickest turnaround on the cameo of everybody. I sent it to him, I got it back like right away. Perfectly done on script. I was very impressed, very impressed with James. All right, awesome. Um, good stuff. Go meet coach in the tailgate. Hopefully, the Hoosiers. You know, can make it a fun Saturday. We usually play Ohio State tough. Yeah, hopefully it's close at least. You know, maybe maybe having the experience Peyton Ramsey in a close game will help. Maybe. They got a new coach that they're still working in. Yeah, they got a new offense. Come on, coach. Just... Give me some give me some optimism. Beer will be cold <laughs> and the biscuits and gravy will be hot. <laughs> and that is yeah. what is going to be the best thing about Saturday. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, and I'll be on the field jumping on the, you know, uprights Man. when we do it. But um, can you imagine the, cel- the celebration? Great. It'll be so great. I remember what the celebration was like in '87 and '88, the last time it happened. Can you this fathom? Tr- okay, true story. True story, Jared. You'd appreciate this because you're dead, and I don't know if your dad was down there coaching. But Mallory's first win broke a 16 game losing streak in '85. In 85, I was a freshman, two weeks, <laughs> jumped up, ripped the goalpost down. Six of my buddies from right quad put it over our shoulders, ran it up <laughs> through the parking lot. We got behind Briscoe. Cops come squealing. Drop it or go to jail. And I'm saying, oh, my gosh, I'm at college two weeks. I'm going to jail. And not for anything really fun. It was stealing an upright. Not but for anything buddy, fun? Well, That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, you know getting drunk on campus or something like that but well, I, yeah. I was thinking the two things were happening simultaneously yeah, well they were but one of our buddies had the goal poles pad and he just took off and so we were all disappointed and we're walking back to the dorm and we find him with like three beers in his hands pouring it over his head <laughs> hugging the goal post thing and we rode on it and that was our i mean we didn't have any dates back then we we dated the goal post pad most of the freshman year but. <laughs> i stayed in right too did you really? Good to know that historic moment happened in the building. Oh, yep. Wright Ferguson was mine on the first floor. Oh boy, we dated the goalpost pad for most of freshman <laughs> year. That's a that's a well, sad commentary. That's probably far too common. Yeah. Look at me. Who, who wants this? Who, you know, Mrs. T's probably listening to me up there. But who wants this? <sighs> oh man, that's a great story. Yeah, it was, that is a it great was, story. He probably wasn't on the – well, he might have been on the field by then. He was always up in the press box because he coached the secondary, so it was e- easier okay. for him to see. But if it was – you know, if the win was in the bag, 
then yeah. I don't know what that game was like. I was four then. Yeah, he might have been remember. down on the field by then. We almost yeah. got it back to right quad. You're being but. applauded in the chat mob for bringing Assembly Call After Dark back. <laughs> we haven't had a good Assembly Call After Dark TMI in a while, so this was good. Welcome, welcome, Dylan, to the assembly call. This is yeah. things. Things get loose after uh, <laughs> after the radio show is done. Yeah, Trying to be very, very professional for the radio show, and then you know between segment banter during the show, that's a little looser. But then AC after dark, yeah, Dylan, the, the one after dark. I met. Um, I think I met someone that I kissed after the 1987 championship. She was on for wasn't it Val that got the? I had to find the nicest looking lady. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I might have been that guy hanging out of the car, various hugs and kisses. <laughs> and oh she goes, all I remember is running to the fountain and kissing people. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was running to the fountain and kissing people, too. Oh, man. Might have been. It might have been Val. Might have been. Val, if you're listening, by the way, we're thinking about you and uh, hoping everything is good. So uh, one of our longtime, longtime listeners. Yep. Hopefully she made it this far into the show. All right, everybody. Let's uh, let's call evening, it a night. Everybody. Dylan, thanks for being here. Of course. Coach, as, oh. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.